Do you need another beer? <gasps> I do need another beer. Bartender? Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action. All right, welcome everybody to Stand Up Pedal Action. There are probably some of you who have run a marathon or mini marathons, and there might be some of you who are thinking that you want to try. However, I don't know how many of you would think that it would be a good idea to run one in October in Iceland. Today's guest has done just that and did pretty well for herself with a second place finish in just such an event. Today in the studio, we have Kelly Williams and Josh, why don't you give us a little more of an idea? I would love to. In fact, that's not the only thing that she's done in the recent past. Uh, she's also done exceedingly well in the Pikes Peak Marathon, uh, I believe 12th place overall for women. And then uh, you won the Leadville Heavy Half Marathon, um, second overall for women, first in your age group. Let's make that clear. And in the top 20 of all finishers. All with, of them. Yeah, all of them. Yes. Um, yes, you got second in the Iceland Marathon in the snow and rain. You've done a 50-miler in Monument Valley, and then multiple triathlons, some ultra running, skiing, cycling adventures. Basically, you're just all around hardcore. And you're also a dear friend, so it's really fun to have you on the show here. Yeah, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You guys look super fancy today. Um, well, for those who can't see us uh, at home, Josh and I are wearing t-shirts so that's, that's apparently what fancy means in the fancy t-shirts it's, yeah, they're fancy it's the green lamp and the oh. leather chairs they give it away yeah. actually you guys yeah class this, this may be a blanket for it but it's a very classy blanket for it that's right yes. but well to, thank you for having me today. oh yes <laughs> absolutely but to start things off uh we'd love to hear a little bit about your backstory and you know where you grew up how you got started along this athletic journey and where it's taken you as of today. All right. Well, my mother, I have to give all credit to my mother, actually. So my mom is a pretty badass aerobics instructor. Um, and from a very young age, my sister and I had no choice but to go to the rec center and spend hours upon hours um, at her classes, be that step aerobics with the spandex and all. Oh my Mind gosh. Leg you, warmers? Were they like warmers? Leg warmers, yes. Oh there was gosh. a lot of 80, well, I guess that would have been the 90s, 90s music. I'm not that old yet. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was like the earliest um, introduction to any kind of exercise. So we were, uh, my sister and I were on bikes at a very young age, cycling and uh, doing step aerobics, um, racquetball. We really had no choice. I think some kids would have found it torturous, but we actually found it really enjoyable. So we looked up to our mom too. We still do. Uh, at 60 years old, she's still running 5Ks, 10Ks, She's, oh my gosh, that's she's awesome. amazing. She's still teaching uh, aerobics classes, too. That is really spandex inspiring. Spandex has changed a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> still some spandex. <laughs> hey, you, you do what you got to do. Um, so was that here in Colorado? That or was. You? That was in Thornton, okay. Colorado, just north of Denver. Right on. Um, 
And was that a natural lead in to like competitive athletics in school? Was it like, hey, that kid's in shape, get her into this sport? So I guess, again, and I should bring my dad into this, my dad was a pretty amazing soccer player. So starting out in his freshman year of high school, never played soccer a day in his life, he played soccer and was like, I'm going to try out for the high school team, made varsity, was like the lead scorer for all four years in scoring and in red cards, but we'll just bypass that second one for sure. Um, my sister and metric. I both got oh, yeah. that quality from my dad, of course. We'll just call it the Italian temper and leave it at that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so my dad has a huge part in how we started. Um, we spent a lot of days at the rec center with my mom, but every night after school and the weekends, we're on the soccer field. So we played soccer from... I think we were four years old when we went to our first Rowdies. That was our team name. Rowdies soccer uh, camp. And the, that was all we ever knew. I mean, my, my parents signed us up for every competitive travel team and uh, whatnot. And I just, I mean, I felt like looking back, there was nothing else but soccer. <laughs> I didn't know anything else existed. Maybe step aerobics. Yeah, step all. aerobics and soccer. That's all there is. <laughs> yes. They don't <clears throat> offer that in the high school, it turns out. That. <laughs> yeah, no varsity <laughs> step aerobics team. Correct. So soccer was a huge um, part of our lives. My sister and I both um, played all the way through high school. I was a goalkeeper. So not much running if you've ever watched a soccer game. Have. So going into the running aspect, um, I would show up to practice as early as I could and I would do laps around the soccer field because I felt like as a goalie, you're like moving in this little 18 yard box and that's all you get. And I would be like super bored. Uh, I have a little touch ADD, I think. So I would just like have to run even during games. I would like run side to side and my coach would be like, Kelly, get it together. You have to like pay attention to the ball. I'm like, oh. But my legs, I need to move. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Most people that I know, well, and in most sports, running is the punishment. Oh. Running is the thing you don't want to do. Running is the thing you hate. And you got the one goal on the soccer team where you don't have to move around at all. And you showed up early to run more. Yes. I needed, like, I needed to feel like I had a workout. Yeah. So when my coach figured out that I was running almost four miles before every practice. Um, he, <laughs> my goalie coach, because he's like, well, if you're tired at all from doing this, like we're going to punish you more. So the second thing to running um, that I love more than anything was doing these drills as a goalkeeper where you jump over trash cans, like these big giant trash cans and you jump over them and then you crawl underneath like a rope and then you jump over them some more. So and this he, is to get used to diving for balls and moving yep, around and on the ground. being just super agile, agile and kind of being all over that. Uh, goal box. So we would do that all the time. And while well, well, the other goalies did not like that drill, I was all about it. Scraped up, bruises, bleeding, whatever. And they were like, oh, we thought that would teach you. You didn't have to run before practice. Like we will wear you out no matter what at practice. But it sounds like they didn't quite catch that. You, no. uh, yeah, they, they didn't quite get there. Uh, no, they did not. Okay, so but, at some point, was there like a cross-country coach who wandered in and was like, hey, that kid's just running for fun. <laughs> I will get to that, yeah. actually. Because oh, okay. at this point, still it was like, 
football sports were like all I knew. Um, so besides soccer, I, um, I showed up one day to try out for the volleyball team. I was a freshman and I just had a friend. I, uh, so a little backstory, I went to a very small Catholic school and then went right into a public high school. So it was a very big change. So I knew one person going into this high school other than my sister. Um, and I kind of hooked onto her hip and was like, what are we doing? She goes, oh, I'm trying out for volleyball. So I told my mom, I was like, I'm trying out for volleyball. She's like, you've never played volleyball. I know, but Lindsay's playing volleyball, so uh, I'm going to play volleyball. So I showed up to volleyball practice with only goalie experience. And luckily for me, there can be diving. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not recommended on a hardwood floor of a gym. And what was finding that out like for you? Because I think you've told me this story before. Oh, yes. I have little frag like little fractures. Like I had a little bone chip on my hip after uh, they did this drill where uh, the coach would spike 50 balls and see how many you could dig up. And I, I don't remember what number I got, but I guess it was enough to get on JV varsity uh, as a freshman. And he was like, and have bruised and, and bloody and hips, bone at the chips <laughs> and a, out of your hips. But at the I end like there was no, <laughs> there was no fear. I was like, oh, this is just like soccer. I can do this. I can use my hands in soccer. I can use my hands in volleyball. No problem. So um, I got onto the volleyball team, and volleyball comes first in the school year. So it was a great way to meet people uh, at this new public high school. Um, which was a huge eye opener in the first place. But, um, and then I ended up playing basketball as well. I just wanted to play all the sports. So, um, basketball by far is the worst sport that I, I, <laughs> I was terrible. Um, okay. if there were cards in basketball, I know there's your, you there's have your fouls, five yeah. fouls, yes. But what was your like average foul per game? Oh, I like... mean, if I could make it through a full game, that was like, I was doing pretty good. Okay. So we, we've, we've established that you have no qualms about harming yourself in the interest of sport. That is true. And yeah. we got you through several years of ball sports and that kind of competition. Yes. Was there a point where you kind of pivoted and that corner turned to just raw abuse all on your own in distance sports? Very good question. So uh, my senior year of high school, as a punk teenager kid that I was, mm -hmm. I got into quite a bit of trouble. And my parents, who were very um, tough and didn't give you many chances, they said, one and done, we're taking your car away. Ooh. So uh, no car as like a 17-year-old. Uh, I had to run everywhere. Like that was my choice. And I worked at Lifetime Fitness at the uh, time, and so I started running. Wait, no bicycle? Uh, no. Yeah, I guess I skipped that. Talking to two people <laughs> that uh, bike everywhere. Yeah. You just, you just straight, for, straight Guys, from running. Guys, I needed you to be there when I was 17 and introduce me to the bicycle. Uh, because at this point, I had no interest in a bike. Okay. Other than my mom's Saturday morning cycling class. Uh, but there was good music and air conditioning. So... Not so much going to work, but okay. running was way better. <laughs> so no car. And again, what should have been punishment, you just keep running. <laughs> yes. 
and working at Lifetime Fitness um, and basically not wanting to ever be at home with my parents, uh, like I feel like most teenagers feel at some point in their life, um, I spent all day at Lifetime. So I would run the six miles to Lifetime. I would, uh, I worked at the child uh, daycare camp and we would do uh, basketball, soccer with all these kids and it was a lot of fun. So very active job. And then followed by I'd go lift or run or bike up stairs. So I would be constant go, go, go from 10 hours of that day and just loved it. And so, again, yeah, my parents were like, wait, we wanted. (laughs) This was supposed to be a punishment. And then they were like, "Okay, maybe you can drive your car to work. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Like, (laughs) I love this. And so and this happened to be at the time when gas prices were like, four dollars a gallon oh yeah you remember that in Mm -hmm. colorado so uh the other part of my little punishment was now gas was no longer free so broke teenager i'm gonna run and it was fine i mean what else am i doing i had to stay out of trouble so running was a great answer (laughs) might be my favorite running backstory Uh, it's the best we've heard (laughs) by far that's amazing Uh, so I have Incredible. to thank my parents. I mean, from the beginning to this point, the beginning of my soccer and step aerobics career to my running <laughs> career are my parents for sure. So oh my kudos gosh. to you guys. <laughs> All right. Collegiate years. Oh, that thing. Um, great story. Um, I had a chance to play soccer. Part of my punishment was I actually ended up getting my scholarship taken away because my parents wanted me to stay at home and work and um, not so much go out and party in Wyoming. So uh, that's where I was going to go play and go to school. So instead, I worked a crazy amount of jobs, three, four, something like that, during my first year of college down in CU Denver. Um, with an emphasis, I knew I wanted to go to nursing school at some point. So I was just getting my basic classes. Um, Denver was interesting. I rode the bus to and from campus every day. Wasn't, I was not playing any sports at that time. Um, wasn't even running that much. Um, and my sister had just gotten back from her college, uh, two years of college soccer. And she ended up going down to UCCS to play soccer and softball because she's also a badass. Um, And she uh, was like, you need to come down to Colorado Springs and just see what it's like down here. So I came down on a weekend, uh, stayed with her and just fell in love with the city, fell in love with Pikes Peak is right there and didn't even realize that you could run the whole thing at this time and like yeah. I had no idea. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. I know, right? Yeah. You can run that thing. You, what is that? Um, and that line that you can see sketched out in the mountain. What is that? So lots of things that I just automatically fell in love with here. Uh, while I was down here, my sister was like, uh, what do you want to do with your life? Like, you're not doing anything. You're just working. And she's always been tough on me. And it's awesome. Someone has to do that. Um, so we made an appointment. I just said, I always wanted to run cross country. Um, I, I think I ran kind of going back a little bit. My last year of high school, I ended up running cross country just for like a little bit. And, um, I missed the cross country season because of volleyball, but then I ran track 
and didn't do so great with track. I'm much better at long distances than like, all right, go out and like run for 30 seconds. Uh, not, not my thing. Uh, they tried to have me high jump. That was, they're like, you're super tall. You can high jump. Actually, I can't. Lies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, white girls cannot jump, it turns out. Not so much. So um, <laughs> I had somewhat had like a little introduction to track is where I'm getting at. So when I came down here, I was like, I think I really want to run cross country. She's mm. like, let's go talk to the coach. So I made a appointment with the cross country coach. I uh, said, I go to CU Denver now. I'm thinking about transferring down here for the nursing program. What do I have to do uh, to be on the team? And lucky for me, this was prior to what their team is today. There were like 10 girls on the team at this time, where I think they're somewhere north of like 50. Um, So they've just exploded over the years, which is great for them. But for me, that was a great like in like, here's your training plan. He emailed me the training plan uh, for the summer. And he said, here you go. Um, We'll see you in August. And so it was like a walk-on, no scholarship, but just a walk-on thing. I happened to be in Europe that whole summer, and I remember just looking at, I brought my training plan with me. So you have your 50-pound back, and I have my training plan. And my friend who I was with was like, why did you bring that? I was like, I'm training. I'm going to start. I'm going to run for UCCS. So every morning I would like... I had no idea what these track workouts were. It was... I had no idea what intervals were or... I had no idea. So I just kind of winged it the whole time I was in Europe. And when I came back in August, I was on the team. And um, that was my first like time ever being on a, co- on a college team, but running cross country. Um, and these girls had all ran since they were wee tots. And for you, was that... I mean, were you holding your own in there or was it like, oh my gosh, this is way more than I bargained for? There was a little bit of both. I like, I, I knew from those stories earlier, like I can do some self-punishment. Like I can, I can run, I can, (laughs) it's established. I can definitely, uh, it's a different mindset. I think that was the hardest thing. You go from playing a team sport where it's like very team oriented and you can kind of, push it on, well, she didn't shoot well and she didn't uh, pass well, and to playing a sport, running, uh, that you can't blame anybody. That is like your, you did it. Like that's, it's very individual. And what was that like for you? Was that like a uh, kind of a light going off like, ooh, I like this format? Mm -hmm. I did like that. I liked it a lot. Um, And there's still like, there is still a team aspect to it, which is very different because you can't like blame anyone unless they like blatantly trip you uh, to <laughs> like, I mean, it can be a little physical, right? Maybe. <laughs> but uh, that's like, I don't know. I didn't run thing. cross country. <laughs> I didn't know what so, you guys are doing out in the woods. Yeah. But it was also very intimidating because these girls knew like the point system and they knew what spikes were and what different shoes you have for different workouts. And I was like, I have my Brooks. I have my Brooks. Can I wear my Brooks? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we have to go. Like, that was whole new to me. Like, I had to get flats and spikes and different shoes yeah. and learn to run uh, the first week of training when you get um, into school is about 70 miles a week. And so that was like huge because 
I've never done that prior. Even our training programs weren't that much. So there's a lot. And this is well... Were you a pre-nursing at this point, or did you did you get into the nursing program at this point? I had not gotten into the nursing program yet. I had one more year of prerequisites. So two years of prereqs and then the three-year nursing program. So I had not gotten into nursing school. There was one other girl on the team who was in nursing school, and she looked like she hated her life every day because practice was every morning at 7 a.m., and then she would have nursing classes and clinicals um, during – she would be running – um, from her track workout into her white scrubs and right to clinicals. So it sounds, looked a little tough. Sounds like that didn't phase you. I definitely was like, okay, I'm not there yet. So let mm. me figure out what shoes I need to be wearing and then <laughs> we can go to we'll nursing school because, yeah. yeah, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So, Man, yeah. okay. So this, however... It feels like we're getting closer to where we started with this interview of doing crazy things at ridiculous distances and speeds. So you're into cross country. You're now running as your primary sport. Did you start progressing through this? Did the team suddenly realize like, oh, we got a live one here? So this is where it gets a little interesting. Oh, boy. Um, I lived with a bunch of girls who were on the cross country team. And they... If you've ever been around anybody cross country or super serious long distance runners, um, not even long distance, just super fast runners, they're not always the healthiest people. So there was probably, there were probably six girls on the team who were very fast, but were very unhealthy. And two of them happened to be my roommates. Um, unfortunately, the lifestyles kind of rub off on each other after yeah. a while especially when they're hitting times that are just ridiculous they can hit a they can sustain a 545 pace for our 14 mile workout and you're like how can you do that when we had you had broccoli for breakfast i don't understand <laughs> broccoli and then followed by maybe a smoothie and that's that's like your day's meal so and so, just to just to pause for a second, sure. You know, normally when people talk about unhealthy and in college, that usually means partying, drinking like crazy, uh, and all that. Yeah. But you're talking about a oh, different kind of I unhealth, sure mm -hmm. which is, I'm gonna go run like crazy, and I'm not gonna feed myself. You're totally right. It's like an unhealthy for an athlete kind of way. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not condoning partying and then going <laughs> well, uh, this is outside either. of the scope of this podcast but, like, that's fine. you have your people who are um, very serious in their sport and would never touch alcohol or weed or anything during the uh, season but they also wouldn't eat very well and nourish their bodies so that was actually more common and was this in the interest of keeping body weight low yes. to get faster. Yes. It was all about a certain image, if you will, mm -hmm. and a certain body type. A, um, I remember the first time we all put on our um, little, I mean, you have like little spanks on and like a little running um, singlet that you wear. And I remember all the girls who are like 90 pounds and they're like, oh my God. And they're like pinching at their sides and they're like, this just doesn't fit right. And I coming from soccer was like, it was good to be like 
not like stout, but like you wanted to be strong. And um, so it was a different, it was definitely different um, being around those girls who aren't very healthy. Unfortunately, it rubbed off. But what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to ask. And was this, you know, not to ask an inflammatory question, but was this the kind of environment where maybe coaches knew about this and maybe just turned a blind eye? Because if you hit your times, we don't really care how you do it. So, and not to throw anybody under the bus, because I know that they were very aware of certain situations. Girls were hospitalized quite a bit for these issues, and there'd be like a little team chat about, please let us know if you have any concerns about this. Please let us know if you're struggling with something. But of course, like when you're hitting your times, you're not going to say anything. When you're able to make your workouts, you're not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, no... They, and I'll get to it in a little bit, but the um, coaches were aware, but at the same time, there's only so much they can do. Right. Other than like totally pull you off the team, but that didn't, that never seemed to happen. And was there, because this is, I'm a dude, I didn't run (laughs) cross country, so I don't know this, so help me out. In that kind of environment, is there an explicit pressure or was it more implicit from those girls or those individuals who were not being particularly healthy that just kind of herd mentality of, no, this is what we do here? I think it started out as an explicit uh, mentality and mm. then it turned into implicit because then you're like in your head before every practice and every meet um, about it and you don't feel good when you don't eat. So then. And it sounds like this was a process then that from where you came from that, hey, it's good to be strong from the soccer background. It sounds like maybe your own opinion on things changed through this time. It changed immensely, I would say. Um, And I kind of felt like in that time of my life, I was like, I had to adapt to my new environment and Mm -hmm. my new environment are these unhealthy, very skinny, very fast girls. Uh, I need to do that. And so uh, very quickly, it turned to that. Uh, I was also eating broccoli for breakfast and not eating much. And um, that plus a 70-mile week don't go together for very long. So from both the athletic perspective and now you as a trained medical professional, Mm -hmm. give me the quick rundown on what that does to you? Like, what does that do to an athlete? Uh, Besides the fatigue and not being able, you're just not able to recover quickly at all. Mm -hmm. You're not nourishing your body. Um, We drink a lot of like just coffee, 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 Diet Cokes. Um, You're not doing anything that is any kind of substance to your body. Um, You're not feeding your brain anything. Um, And that came into play when you're not able to even like complete classwork because you don't have energy for it. Um, You put all your energy into that race and then that's that's it or that practice. Um, But that's all that your body can do. So. Wow. And was this, would you say, you may or may not have had insight into this. Was this something that was just happening within that one team or was this every team? After um, it kind of got out, we were pretty open um, to sharing our experiences with friends. And uh, I ended up telling my coaches, uh, but 
it sounds like this is a very common theme. So um, fast forward a little bit. I ended up sustaining this for a little while, my first season at least, uh, until I got stress fracture after stress fracture in both my shins. I was in walking boots my first couple years of cross country um, and couldn't run. I ran, this is like super sad to say on the air, I ran two whole cross country meets in my college career because I was hurt uh, and in a walking boot for all of them. The other wow. ones. So um, finally, my coaches found out about it and called attention to me. And it was wonderful. It was a great intervention that I needed. Um, I thought, again, that I was being sneaky. But turns out when you're a walkie boot, you're not very sneaky. <laughs> um, and in the trainer's office every single day, because that's the other thing. Uh, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. As soon as my stress fracture would heal, I would twist my ankle, just mm. like walking upstairs or something ridiculous and just could not seem to recover from it. At any point during this, did you kind of put two and two together or were you just sort of in that mode of like, man, I don't know why I'm hurt all the time? At first it started like that. And then, I mean, at some point you have to be like, okay, Kelly. It's all about what's in your body and there's not much in there and you're not very, you're not very healthy. And, um, I think this is a great time to bring this up. I remember a dear friend of mine, Raul, he one night took me, it was like midnight and a local park here is Palmer park. And he took me on like a little night run because I was really struggling with, uh, I was just able to run, um, like a mile and that was all I could do and he took me to Palmer Park and we started running up the trails and I just remember thinking that trails were so hard like some track workouts are hard but running trails were so hard and I was like walking and just out of breath and he said uh, the strongest runners are the trail runners and you like you can be a strong runner but you have to be strong and I just remember that sticking with me of like oh, there's like a different type of running. There's not just like road running and track running and cross country, like you can do this trail stuff. And so that was a pivotal moment for me after all these injuries. I got into counseling. Um, that was also huge because he helped so much um, identify kind of the reasons that I was doing this to my body. Yeah. And so, so was that then, that was kind of the pivot into the next phase it sounds like of saying all right there was this kind of structured running let's think about this trail thing over here yes so i ended up quitting the team um after i got into nursing school and i said i really want to focus on nursing uh that's going to be my next goal and i'll continue to run but i kind of have to shift my focus why i'm running shift my motivation because clearly it's not working over here with all my walking boots so um after that i met some other great friends through school and through classes and we said we're gonna go do pike's peak never done it before can't believe you can run up this and so we did the 26 mile trek uh this was one of my friends who bless her heart uh it took us 17 hours to do the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yes and this was when i was just starting out on the trails um and i was like okay we did great on the way up but then every 
10 minutes. We like sat down on the way coming down. Um, and I was like, this is terrible. But 17 hours of pure suffering and we did it. And there was a lot of snacking, like five-year-olds, <laughs> lots of PBJs and fruit snacks. And we were super happy. And we're like, okay. I mean, granted, my mom did call the sheriff in Manitou Springs and had them oh, waiting dear. at the bottom of Pikes <laughs> oh, Peak because she hadn't heard from us in 17 hours. And so that <laughs> Nobody was, took a phone? They died. I mean, this was before they were super. Okay. Super good, but uh, they died. It, there was a rainstorm. There was a hailstorm. So introduction into the Pikes Peak life. Um, that was, I was like, okay, it has to get better from here, right? Like I suffered as much as I can on this mountain. Um, it's got to be better. So um, started doing some trail work and trail running pretty shortly after that. And in nursing school, that is absolutely what got me through nursing school so and it didn't stop there and it's it, it seems like it's been a factor in your life in yeah. every facet moving so, forward so something i kind of made a little promise with my counselor at the time was what sport what event would show not only that i'm like in a good healthy space but that i'm nourishing my body enough to do something so crazy or to do something um, at a very high level. Um, and the first thing that came to mind for some reason was this ultra marathon. Um, I've heard a lot of things about ultra marathons. I had, first thing that came to mind. First thing, first thing. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, just because marathons are awesome, but I still kind of felt like there were some marathoners that weren't very healthy. But when mm. you look at a certain type of ultra runner, they have to feed their body to do 50 miles. And so I knew coming from where I was, I would not be able to complete a 50 mile ultra marathon if I was not healthy enough. So it was kind of like a little, um, yes, it was self-suffering for sure for 50 miles and for the six months of training, but it was also like a little win um, that would show that I was healthy enough to complete such a thing. And so um, the year that I, the month I graduated from school is actually when, or I guess it was spring break, right before we graduated school, I was able to complete that 50 miler. And it was, it was a very emotional time because I finished it in I think under 11 hours, which was my goal, and met some amazing people along the way. And everyone just loved their life. They loved being out there. And they didn't care if they like were taking pictures with strangers and just wanted to be out there sharing their snacks. And again, snacks. <laughs> Gummy bears are just the best during anything, but mostly in the desert. Um, and um, it was just like a very exciting moment to be able to finish it and um, feel like I got over this hurdle in my life of not being as healthy as I knew I could be. Well, thank you for sharing all that. That's that's powerful. And the way that has developed in your life, and it, it has obviously affected your outlook, both internally and externally, because now you, you are a nurse. Mm -hmm. You work to care for people. I am. And you, you could argue that every day is, in a sense, an ultra marathon for you. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you work in the emergency room. I do. And mm -hmm. how does 
how does that mindset from these races and these challenges and just the ability to endure suffering at times transfer over to your work life? Two words, mental toughness. <laughs> I think that is like the single most important thing in anything in life, but in, in work, I mean, you are constantly um, processing information um, with people and you're triaging and you're seeing what's life-threatening and what's not and what can wait and what needs to go back right away. And you're kind of relying on yourself the whole time to make those snap judgments, if you will, every, almost every second of the day, it feels like. And going over to running, I mean, you are with yourself for however long your race is, and you have to rely on yourself. So self-reliance, mental toughness are the biggest things that I think I can say I've taken away and that cross over in my work life and my running life, for sure. And as much as it is, you know, self-reliance, it sure is pretty nice to have a team around you at times who can support yes. you, both in running and and elsewhere. Yes. Do you love some good teamwork and you never know when you're going to have somebody that's like cheering you on uh anywhere you go and helping you out so it's probably a good good moment to give a shout out to uh yeah to our live and very silent studio audience <laughs> today none of you at home are going to get to hear this but your husband travis is here yes. with us smiling in the corner um most of the time anyway he might have let us in on a question we should ask you Sneaky man. Which is, exactly how many miles did you run during your honeymoon? Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> um, or hike or whatever yes, it was. Yes, it was almost 120 <laughs> miles. <laughs> Give or take um, all the little tracks that we took to... Okay, story time. Story time. Story time. How does this sure. happen? Um, like you do... You, because my husband, sweet husband, we both were like, where can we go for super cheap? We want to go somewhere. Um, and we found, and we've always wanted to just go to any country, basically, but Peru and Machu Picchu were on our list. Sure. And one of the cheapest ways, it turns out, to see Machu Picchu is to do this crazy trek uh, because nobody does it, and so they give you a really because it is deal. 120 miles <laughs> well, long. It's it's a two parter. The first part is 60 miles to Machu Picchu, um, and again, it's cheaper if you do the honeymoon edition. So we had a little secret <laughs> wedding thrown in there. We got to wear a wedding dress. He had like this fancy robe on, a funny little silly hat on, and Wait, we is, got, this, is this actually where you guys got married? Like it's destination, our second wedding. okay, our second yeah, wedding. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, impromptu wedding, mind you. We had no idea. Uh, if you look closely at the pictures, I do have my like hiking clothes on underneath this white dress that <laughs> apparently they think one size fits all, and I'm very tall, so it like comes up to my hips, and so my like running pants are underneath the dress. But this is amazing. And this is with with a shaman, right? This is a shaman. And I have to say, a very nice drunk shaman, who I'm not sure if he actually married us or cursed us for all, but okay. it's fine. Vegas wedding can take a back seat. <laughs> From here on out, anybody that wants to make a statement, uh, shaman wedding in, drunk shaman wedding in Peru apparently is now the bar. 
Absolutely. And did I mention it's cheap? I mean, that's the cheapest way <laughs> to get married. It was like $1,200. You're really selling it well. To, I am. Oh, I will shout out to that trucking company right now. You get five meals a day, your own like pet horse and two horses that carry your stuff. <laughs> and all the hiking you want and running. And so I have to give a shout out to my husband because um, he is like the best off the couch athlete I know, but I'm not sure if he actually saw this as like a very enjoyable, like relaxing honeymoon. There was less sleeping in and a lot of hiking (laughs) for sure, running at times. So he, he survived. He survived. He, he and seems we're still no, no worse for wear. No worse for wear, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, he, and in those three years, that apparently wasn't the only thing that happened, because he told me I'm also supposed to ask you about the Iceland waffle story. Oh, the Iceland waffle story. So we had just been dating for two months, two or three months. And like you do, you look at airline tickets all the time. Where can we go for super cheap? We're just graduating nursing school. We're excited to have some free time finally. We find these round trip tickets from Denver nonstop to Iceland, Reykjavik, for $500. So we're like, we haven't even established that we're boyfriend, girlfriend at this point, really. And he's like, we're buying tickets. So he buys two tickets. And I'm like, we should probably see. Are we like boyfriend, girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) And are we going to be together in October? Because it's May. Um, And he's like, I'm going to Iceland in October, so I'd love for you to be able to come with me. (laughs) It's better and better. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So we get down to Iceland in October, um, which there's a reason that it is cheap in October. (laughs) I, too, have been to Iceland in October, and the weather ain't great. It's not great. It's uh, balmy at best at, like, I think it was maybe 37, 38 degrees, just above freezing. I can't tell if it's snow, sleet, rain, no idea. Um, and Travis had said that he would sign up for this marathon um, with me. He would do the half and I would do the full. Um, and we showed up, slept in our car for a little bit, tried to figure out where our Airbnb was. It was just very like piecemealed together, which is kind of how we do things. Um, And totally just worked out. Just show up and see what happens. So like you do on this very tiny little Iceland marathon, you show up at the race start and there's nobody there. Like nobody. It is pitch black. It's, I don't know, seven in the morning maybe. Race starts at eight. I'm like, there has to be like, I don't have a race number. I don't have anything. I don't have a timing chip. It's freezing. Did I mention that? Mm -hmm. And we are like, well, I think... It's, it's here, like, this is the address we have. We're just going to wait a little bit. So then a sprinter van shows up, and it just says race on it. And we're like, that has to be us. <laughs> Literally <laughs> just the word race. <laughs> and it and it couldn't. It, maybe it wasn't race. It was all in Icelandic. And if you've ever seen, I just yeah, imagine yeah. that was race. Maybe it said something oh, okay. else. So it's, maybe it, it was so a ice van cream or something. Who knows? Icelandic word shows up. Shows up. Okay. Yes. And I'm like, it's a sprinter van. Like, that has to be the race crew. So in my mind race so uh we go and we just like knock on the back door like because the race is now supposed to start in 10 minutes and i'm getting a little anxious like what's happening so i they open the sliding door like you see in all like the the movies with mostly i think of like the hitmen that right yeah. out, <laughs> out of the van. i don't think there's any hitmen in iceland i don't think so right. actually no um but they like open the sliding door and out come all these people with their bibs on ready to go running 
and they just hand me a number. I say Kelly, and they just hand me a number and a timing chip, and that was it. That was race check-in. 101. Wow. And so, welcome to Iceland. So, we start, and there's like a little start line. I don't know. It was a pretty small race. There were maybe 100 people at that uh, that show up. Like, I feel like everyone was like in the tree somewhere because all of a sudden, everybody just like came to the start line that they knew existed, even though there was like no like start line. It was just like <laughs> a parking space that everyone knew to come to. Or so, everyone's at this parking space and we start and there's like a little blowhorn thing and i'm like oh i guess i guess that means go mm-hmm. um and everybody speaks icelandic there's not much english up there right now or there wasn't back then and so i'm like trying to communicate with some people to i don't know the course we don't know i don't know we're just gonna show up so i'm just like i'm gonna follow this guy in front of me And um, maybe halfway through, it's kind of drizzly at this point, but halfway through, uh, you run along the coast and it is just gale force winds and sleet and rain. And um, it's barely light at the point of the halfway mark. Like, I don't think it got light there until like 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And... So it was raining. It was really cool because then the half marathon starts um, and we were able to see each other halfway through the race. Travis was running the half marathon. Yes. Off the couching, a half marathon? Off off the couching. And he happened to, um, because he does this, um, makes friends with like everybody everywhere we go. Um, And he made friends with the people who set up the actual tent for the finish line. Uh, And they also make waffles. So... He is like, all, they're just like showing him, do you want this waffle in Icelandic, I imagine. And he <laughs> like starts eating these waffles. And then they start pointing towards like they had a, an official start line for the half marathon. And he started pointing to the start line. You, you, you race. And so he like dropped his waffle and just started running. So waffle in mouth, <gasps> off the couch, <laughs> starts running this first time half marathon race ever and there you go and he crushed it and he like handed me off like a baton the car keys because i would finish before him so we met each other and he's like oh you need the car keys like you're gonna be done before me so he throws the car keys to me and off we go in our little race so we finish and again I don't really understand what's happening at the end. There's like people handing out gloves to people who like draw like raffle tickets, numbers. And I'm like, I'm freezing. I don't even know what my time was. I'm going to sit in the car until Travis is done. So I sit in the car, they hand me a beer. I was very grateful. I grab a beer, I go sit in the car and then I wait for Travis. And at this point we're just freezing cold. So he finishes and we just leave. Well, I got an email from the race director, not, couple hours later that said can you please come back you took second place in this race and we have something to give you and by the time i had gotten wi-fi it was like eight o'clock at night so i emailed him back and i said we leave tomorrow on our plane and he's i said is there any way to meet tonight and he said oh come to my house so this race director um gives me his address. We show up to his house that night uh, with his cutest little kids and wife and cute Icelandic house. Uh, he speaks pretty good English. 
and he just shows us around and he hands me like a bag and this like rock (laughs) and on the rock, rock it looks like a rock and it ends up being he tells us the story of this basalt column that he went and picked out from this I don't know, far away place that he hiked to to chisel it out of the mountain and bring it and made them into trophies. And it is just the most amazing piece of Oh my gosh. That's really rock. cool. So he handed me that that said it's all in Icelandic, which is also pretty cool. But then it, there's like a number two on it. So American cool. race directors take note. Um, I know. Apparently, invite them to to your yeah, house. Yeah, hand carved basalt. Yes, that's the next level. Yeah, yes. no more t-shirts, please. Hand carved basalt <laughs> chunks. That's what we're looking for now. That's all we want. Oh my gosh. Yes, and like a Iceland, Iceland is very expensive. They also had just like clothes that they gave to everybody. So there was like a vest and gloves. They love their gloves. Um, vest, gloves, and like a shirt. Uh, so there were clothes, but I think the basalt w- rock wins. Oh yeah. Uh, was the, the vest most. from 66 North? It sure is. Yeah. Oh, my yes, gosh. Yes, it is. If anybody and, knows that brand, oh, that is not cheap. Oh, and my gloves. Cheap. I fell not too long ago and ripped a hole in my gloves, and I was like, we have to go back to Iceland. <laughs> I have to get another pair of these gloves. I'm pretty sure it's the Icelanders. I'm pretty sure if you just show up and show them the glove, they'll give you, like, two pairs. I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> he also told me that you can get them online, but uh, we're going to Iceland. So <laughs> I want Any excuse. from the source. Yeah, yes. from the source. Yes, absolutely. So... It it really demonstrates a willingness to just jump into things without knowing what's happening or where this might lead you. And where does that come from, would you say? I mean, you shared a little bit about your backstory, but that willingness to just go and see what happens. My husband, absolutely. Shout out to Travis for sure. Uh, one of his mottos, I swear we'll get a tattoo one day that just says, just show up on our foot or something. Um, because that's what he always says. Just show up and see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? Um, you don't finish. I mean, we go through this because I have terrible race anxieties. Some some races are worse than others. And uh, the one race that we'll get to is Leadville that the night before I said, I don't know if I actually want to race tomorrow. He's like, great. Why don't we just show up in the morning, see what happens, and if you don't want to race, don't race. And at the moment when I showed up to that race, I was scheduled to do the the full marathon. I was like, I'm not feeling the full. Can I do the half marathon? They said, sure. So, again, I wasn't sure I was, like, ready for this race, and I didn't know if I really wanted to be there, and just showed up. And... Ended up realizing a couple miles in that, all right, I made the right decision. This is only, it was a heavy half, so it was like 14 or 15 miles. And I was like, this is great. Like, I don't have to go up as far as the marathoners have to go up. This is going to be super fun. And so I had very, I had no anxiety the night before. We were at my family's cabin in Leadville with my nephew and just, we're having a great family time. So I just kept thinking, I just want to get back to spend time with my family. So let's yeah. just get this over with and enjoy the views. And I realized halfway through that I was in second place. And everyone kept saying at every checkpoint, they were like, you're number two, you're number two. Um, and I had seen the first girl and she was just so 
so fast. And um, she, I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to catch up to her, but maybe I can just maintain my second place. Um, and as I'm coming around, I can see the finish line. It's about a mile to go. Uh, I get this terrible calf cramp in my left calf. Oh, no. The one that you can like see yeah. the, the cramp and see every little mm-hmm. vessel in your calf. And you're just like, okay. And I knew at that moment I was done with the race. I was like, I can't finish this. There's no way to walk it out. Um, I thought I had been doing really well with my hydration. It was, it was hot. Um, but I thought this calf would be the end of my race. So this lady comes out of her little seating area where she was just cheering people on with cowbells. She like comes out and she is, she has this like cream stuff on her hands. She just comes over and starts rubbing my calf out. No is consent, it? nothing at all. Right. You don't know who this is. Actually not. Just walks up and starts rubbing your leg. White stuff on my leg. Like, it's okay, eat this. And she hands me some potato chips. Eat this, it's fine. And she's rubbing out my calf. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't even tell you wow. not to. Like, she, I mean, th- again, you can see what's going on with my leg. And so she is just like, okay, you'll be better. Eat these chips, eat these chips. Like, you're in second place. You have to keep going. So I would love to know who that lady is, by the way. If anybody knows, that would be awesome. <laughs> I swear she had like a tie-dye dress on, maybe a dream catcher. She was wonderful. Leadville woman loved her. And she like basically told me like, you can't stop. It's you have to go. And so off we went and I saw the third girl behind me and said, okay, like I, I'm, I've come this far. I have to finish. So I kicked it up as best I could and finished second place and Wanted to go find that lady immediately and ended up going and finding out that it was like THC CBD cream and it was fantastic. But (laughs) (laughs) it worked. I mean, it was like a little magic and the potato chips. Oh, yeah. Go Lace for sure. (laughs) Sometimes we all need a random lady from the forest to tell us that we can't stop. You do. (laughs) That's right. So again, like, I think it just showed like, just show up and... I had no expectations of finishing that race. And even when, like, and I knew it was okay if I quit at that point. Like, I was at mile 13 out of 14 or 15, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm happy with how I ran. I had never had that mentality before. It was like all or nothing. And I think just going into it, and I think this shows a lot about how I've progressed as a runner and where it's um, changed where I just listen to my body a lot more and it's okay. And that is, has been kind of my compass, um, going forward onto new races, just listening to my body. So it seems like running has pretty well established itself as a, uh, a a firm aspect of your life. Yes. (laughs) How then did you progress towards this whole triathlon business? Mm. And adding the bike in the mix yeah. and some swimming and whatever whatever else that takes you. So, again, I have to bring in my mother. Um, she signed me up. Actually, my sister um, had a birthday party or something. Who knows? We were like 12 years old. And she had signed me up for a triathlon and said, you're going to use dad's bike. 
you're going to pretend to swim. I think you'll be fine. And you're just going <laughs> to show up and you're just going to do it. It'll be just fine. So I had done a triathlon uh, when I was like nine years old, 10 years old. And it was super fun with my mom and didn't know what I was doing at all. I, it was not fast by any means. So I had like kind of tinkered with it. Um, and when I was injured all the time in college, I always, I would always say we were sentenced to the pool because you're only allowed <laughs> to pool run. And so oh, I did yeah. so much pool running. Um, and when you can, you can only run in the pool for so long. I think like an hour and 45 minutes was my longest run in the pool. And that's a long time. And you're like just in the little deep end, just going about. And that's just little tiny circles or squares in the deep end. So with the I was water in, wings. with the water wings in the, in the gate belt or the floaty belt. Yes. The gate belt. That's nursing. Um, <laughs> gosh. And so <laughs> I had been introduced to water. It was not my friend, uh, during, cross country. Um, but I, I worked at the rec center and lifetime that, uh, I would, I would just swim just to give my body a little bit of a break when I, um, was sore or anything. So I would show up in like a sports bra and like little shorts and no swim cap, no goggles and just like go at it. And this lady at UCCS, she, one day she like saw the ridiculousness that was me trying to swim. And she handed me a cap and a swimsuit that she had bought. And she's like, please, you can wear like real stuff and here's some goggles. <laughs> How do you attract these people to you? And like, yes, yeah. is- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the weird force of it. I think you just show up and look really helpless. And I think people are really good there are some good people out there. <laughs> I'm going to have to try this. <laughs> yeah. So you might not have as much success. <laughs> I don't think so. No. A helpless looking man in the forest is probably not really <laughs> going to attract a lot of people. And if you just showed up with a woman's bathing suit, yeah, I that would think look, that, that would be even worse. It's not getting me anywhere. It's not an outcome I'm looking for. I know. So I started swimming like a real swimmer with like actual gear, I guess, and not just like my running clothes. And, um, I guess that just slowly progressed into almost like a cross training, like, okay, let's just give our body a little break from running, running, running. And I, um, had just gotten back from Africa and started, I had signed up for a triathlon before just because it was close and it was in Boulder and thought it would be fun to do. And after I did that, kind of on a whim again, just like drove in the morning, showed up to the race and hoped for the best and realized that, oh, this is actually kind of fun. Like if I had a little bit faster bike than my dad's bike, maybe (laughs) I would be able to like be a little bit better. And so that kind of just turned into Googling all the races that I could do and ended up signing up for a half Ironman a couple years ago and really just enjoyed that, again, the aspect that you have to be healthy to be able to train for all three sports. And again, there's kind of this pattern. I didn't hear you just say, and so I decided I'd try a sprint try, (laughs) which is what humans do. No, you just said, let's start with a half Ironman. We'll just start there. (laughs) Yes. You caught me. I don't know what it is about this ridiculousness, but I felt like I just, what else can I do? Like that 50 miler meant a lot to me. I 
I've done a couple. I did that little iron or that little race, that little triathlon with my mom. Um, what's next? And so I had some good friends at the time who were just um, such good athletes. And so they pushed me and uh, just showed me what you, what we could do with by training for all three sports and uh, started doing that. So. And out of that has, like, is cycling going to be a thing in its own right for you? Or are you thinking that's just like, eh, it's part of the try thing. I'd rather be running. Sorry, guys. I don't think cycling will ever be oh. like, I know, just that they got, that hurt your heart a little bit. Um, it's great cross training and it's great transportation now. Um, <laughs> so you don't have to run everywhere. I don't have to run everywhere. Okay. But there's just, I don't know. Running is my, I love running. It's my happy place it is what i it is my go-to if i have an hour to spare i maybe it's because i have this terrible um thought that it takes like 30 minutes to put on your bike shoes i think that's what it is even though my new bike shoes it doesn't but like i think oh my gosh i have to get my bike shoes and my helmet and my gloves and my glasses it's quite tragic it is i know and it like is this preparation for where i can just put my shoes on and go running wow so. Now, I, I think I've identified a problem here oh. in that you really have, to my knowledge, only experimented in the road world. <laughs> mm, yeah. And you see the, the sweet spot <laughs> in the cycling world. Uh, nobody ding me for this. It's, uh, it's really mountain biking. I'm just going to go ahead and say that there. Yeah. <laughs> Prove, nope. my, prove me wrong. Nobody cares what you wear. <laughs> if you ride flats, you can use a lot of different shoes. <laughs> Maybe in another life, I will participate in a mountain biking. For it those... scares me, and I think that's my nursing judgment that scares uh, me so much. Right, it seems well, like you enjoy doing things that scare you, though. Yeah. You're not wrong. You caught me so there. You're saying there's so a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. I was going to say that. <laughs> I am saying that. It's not out of the question just yet. So. All right. For those who are listening, maybe we'll check back in later on this one. We'll have to give you guys an update if we ever actually get Kelly on a mountain bike on a trail. <laughs> yes. We've been working on this for a while. So we're going to see if it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, um, you just go so fast. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I, you know. I'd love to ask you, you've mentioned several different people in your life, uh, pretty much your entire family, actually, who have been encouragements in various areas aspects of you know this sport or that sport or this endeavor is there anyone else that you have really found encouragement in or has really pushed you to progress in a way that you didn't expect um so trent one of my dear friends from college um he actually has helped me progress into um Let's try this triathlon. Let's go run this new trail. Uh, we were um, ran cr- uh, Sunrise Striders. I would love to do a little shout out to Sunrise Striders, which is a, a little running group here in Colorado Springs that would meet every morning, 6 a.m. Or I'm sorry, Tuesday, Thursday morning, 6 a.m. And run these ridiculous workouts um, from... 
15 by 90 second hill repeats on one of the gnarliest hills in Bear Creek Park. And we would do 14 mile tempo runs. And we ran, we were actually in the news for running at 10 below zero. Um, one winter morning, the news crew showed up and just were like, you guys are actually doing this. You don't have to. We got our pictures. You guys can go home now. <laughs> and we were like, no, we have to finish our workout. And this group of people were so inspiring because what stuck out to me was they were all in their 40s. And they were all very successful business people who, in my mind, were, were very busy. So how do you have time to run and be like sub three hour marathoners and be able to uh, have a family and have this career. So all of them um, were huge inspirations and great role models uh, for me because I was like the little kid in their little group. I was the youngest. They called me the little punk in their group. And it was awesome because um, I didn't really know where my running career was going, but they were great to surround myself with to kind of get ideas and just show up and run. And I uh, didn't know that I could push myself to certain limits. So uh, they, I, Sunrise Riders, they're still, they still run every Tuesday, Thursday morning. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, and um, just a lot of the, the girls on the cross country team, I would say they just helped me kind of identify that running can be fun. Some of them were very uh, inspirational and are still really good friends there. So. so as you have progressed, the distances that you've run have only increased, but that is now in a culture of health rather mm -hmm. than where you found yourself back in college. However because we're friends and we all know the stories around the table here, I understand that there are some challenges related to your body, how it works, how athletics, ha the part that that has played in your life that might be coming back sort of to visit, as it were. And I was wondering if you could maybe tell us about this, because this is something that I've heard from other women in athletics in particular, and it's a subject that I think maybe doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, yes, I think I didn't know. I never talked about it until we started trying. So my husband and I have been trying to have a kid for a little over a year now, and we've noticed that it's not as easy as everybody says it is. And, and some of the reason that it hasn't been as easy for you guys is because of the journey that you've had as an athlete. Is that correct? That is correct. And that is, I think, something, again, that is not talked about very much. Um, I, I don't know how much research is out there on this subject just yet, but again, coming from my medical background a little bit, um, I can't imagine that my years of running and not eating have helped. Right. And so... Talk me through this a little bit sort of from the medical sure. side, because as I understand it, and this may have to get edited because of my stupidity, <laughs> being totally ignorant, there is sort of a threshold under which if your body fat percentage gets too low mm -hmm. and other stressors in your environment get too high, that as a woman, everything kind of shuts down. Yes. There's three things that play into this with athletes. Um, body fat is definitely one of them um, and regular menstrual periods. 
once you reach a super low, and I don't know what the percentage is, of body fat, um, you just stop having periods. Mm -hmm. And your body kind of, your hormones are all over the place, and you're very irregular. And your body kind of is like, okay, well, that's not important right now. Obviously, we're not trying to have a kid. We're trying to run away from this, like, saber-toothed tiger because that's what it feels like every single day. We are just running on nothing but adrenaline, and we're very stressed out all the time. So we're just going to shut that part of our body off. And I can only imagine that in an environment where coaches were willing to maybe look the other way for uh, for times that there was nobody saying, hi, would you like to be on cross country? By the way, this may mess with your menstrual cycle and chance to have children. I think everyone, when they first start, they're like, oh, that won't happen to them. Like they won't, they'll be, they'll be the one that can handle the pressure and that can handle the intense workouts. Um, and I think, again, going back to if they hit their numbers, it doesn't matter. They hit their times. We're just going to act like everything's fine. Was this a concern for you at the time? Like, was it something that even entered your head or was it sort of like, ah, it's the season. We'll figure out what happens later in the year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever really thought about like the long-term mm -hmm. consequences of this. Um, you never do. You just look to the next race and the next workout. And in that time of my life, that was all that was super important to me. So going forward now, clearly there's more important things out there. And um, us trying to have a kid, I've noticed that uh, maybe I need to look back at what I have done to my body in the last, I guess it's been 10 years of super high intensity workouts. And again, I don't know if this is research that much because one of my first questions to my OB was about, do I need to stop running? Do I need to stop racing? And he said, nope, you don't have to stop doing anything you're doing. So I did it. Well, actually, I did. I stopped everything. And then <laughs> that was like um, not healthy in its own way because that is definitely my outlet and the way that I kind of recoup from my days at the hospital. And so that wasn't good in itself. And so I picked up running again. And that's been super helpful for mental clarity and I think there's just a full spectrum. You see people who get pregnant and they're 90 pounds and very unhealthy. And you get people who are pregnant and they're 400 pounds and are unhealthy. So it's really hard to put a finger on what exactly causes some people not to get pregnant. I don't know. Yeah. Right. And certainly we wouldn't want to try to paint the picture that it was sure. only athletics. Sure, but sure. Would like what would you say to any women who might be listening who would maybe be earlier in their career or who maybe have just been toying with mm -hmm. a lighter level of athletics and they're looking ahead and they're maybe thinking, ooh, ultra, that sounds like a good idea. Is there anything that you would have to say mm -hmm. to somebody in that space of maybe consider this about the road ahead? I would definitely say listen to your body, like use your body as your compass all the time. Any kind of ache and pain, listen to that. Any kind of, oh, my my period is shorter or I, it, I was super late this month. Maybe that means I'm a little under, I'm a little, I'm under a little more stress this time. Um, that is a huge indicator that 
when you're late by a week, I mean, that's huge that your body is like really stressed out. And then that's like a precursor to having shorter and shorter periods. And then they stop all of a sudden. So make sure you're listening to your body, paying attention to those signs. Um, and it's as much as it's about the here and now and wanting to race that marathon and wanting to uh, be super fast and be a great athlete, you also have a whole life ahead of you. You have hopefully a family to look forward to. And so this is like, that's a great time in your life, but that's not the end all be all. There is so much more. And I kind of wish somebody would have told me that, that it's not all about right then and there. You have so much more and you'll be able to one day, hopefully give life to somebody else. So. Yeah. And what would you say looking forward into this next phase do you feel like you have hit a good equilibrium where you can get that mental fix from being able to get out and run? Because this is one thing that a lot of people that I know who are athletes, you don't get the mental benefit until it gets intense. There's a lot of people mm. who until you are in the pain cave, it didn't count. You didn't get to escape from work or whatever it is that that piece doesn't happen until it's intense. Mm. Is that where you are? And if so... How does that fit into this bigger picture? I would say if people are really like focused on wanting to start a family, uh, get a dog <laughs> because <laughs> I mean that because when you take your dog running, um, if you've ever seen a dog run, they run and then they stop and they're like, oh, did you see this shade by this tree? Like, I'm going to sit here for a second. You're like, wait, okay, I guess I have to stop too. And you lower that intensity because then you're, again, you're your focus shifts from like, I have to get an intense workout to be like, oh, I need to take my dog on a run and we're just going to enjoy the scenery. It slows things down a little bit. I mean, you can still get great workouts in. Don't get me wrong at all, but it adds like another element where you're like, you kind of have to focus on them too. And um, it takes it back a healthy notch, I would say, if anything. Unless you get a Vishla and then good luck to you because then you're running 20 miles a day just to wear that dog out. So don't get one of those. <laughs> All right. So get a dog, but be careful about what dog it is. <laughs> it's so That's <laughs> the lesson. No, thank you so much for sharing that and mm -hmm. for being open mm -hmm. in regards to that because that's something that we know is very personal. But also just anecdotally, I know other women who have had some encounter with those challenges of saying mm -hmm. like, how do I balance athletics mm -hmm. and I want to have a family later. Maybe not everything is working right right now. I don't know which way to push this and that. Listen to your body. I know that sounds so cliche, but once you're in tune with every little nuance, you'll know when you're going too hard. You know, when you're pushing the threshold, um, you'll know all right, that was enough. I don't need to do that again. Or this is like, this is the sweet spot and this is where I'll stay. And I'm, I know so many women that push it, um, at their, at their, um, I would say their middle ground for their whole pregnancy. And they are just fine because mm. that's where they don't push it too hard and they don't go run a three hour marathon, but they're going to be there, uh, doing the incline until they're about to have the baby the next day. 
That'll be your next episode, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've oh, definitely that... seen that. <laughs> One of the recent bike races I, we were at, I overheard a conversation of somebody who was bemoaning the fact that they got beat by a lady who was five months pregnant. Like, and this was, they were at the competitive end of the race and they got smoked by a lady who was also carrying around another little yes. human. I have heard that it gives you superpowers. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Hopefully I can like fly or something crazy, but um, I'll take just a little bump in speed. Too. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. Thank you again for sharing that. You know, one, one of our hopes in these interviews is that we can help people realize that they're not alone in the challenges that they face and in particular areas that are not talked about very often. So I really appreciate your, your vulnerability and being willing to, to open up about that. Absolutely. I know that it's not just me. And so if it can reach one other girl's ears, that's, that's definitely a win. So yeah. thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, you don't you don't get away just yet. Oh, not no, yet. no, no, no. Okay. We, got, we got a couple to cap it off here. Aha, I love that. But uh, we we have uh, a theme question here. Oh, yes. mm. We would love to hear just a, a brief bit about your best day and worst day of training or riding oh, yes. or running racing. or racing, oh, yes. whatever. One That's best day, one worst day. Okay, I might just need another sip here and let me think about this. Mm. Best day. Got it. That was a quick sip. Um, best day. Uh, running at Greenland, which is just north of uh, Mon- of Colorado Springs. Yeah, Greenland open space. Not the country of Greenland since we've established that oh, Iceland yes, is on your sorry. resume. Let, let me clarify. You're totally right. All right. This is one of the best days, but this is the one that comes to my mind because it's one of those things that you're like, that did not happen, but... It did. I promise you. I'm here to tell you it did. So um, I was training for the 50 miler in, it was in Arizona. And um, I knew that I had to train in like a hot, uncovered area because you're in the desert for 10 plus hours. There's no coverage. So um, I went to Greenland and ran around the little Greenland open space. It was like nine miles. And I said, I have to do like 30 miles today somehow. So I just hit a dirt road and went as far east as I could until I hit Highway 83. On the way out to Highway 83, there was a little border collie dog that jumped their fence, started running with me. And I could not get rid of this dog to save my life. And I don't know if you know this, but I am a huge dog person. Anything dogs, I'm all about it. So I'm like, yeah, you can come with me. It's like 90 degrees outside. You're covered in fur. You're not going to last that long. This dog ran with me for 15 miles. We ran out to the Highway 83. We came back to my car. And I was like, I'm going to kill this dog. This dog is like... Running at, I mean, I didn't run super fast, but I mean, that's a long time to be out at 90 degree heat. So I put her in my car. Her name, after we ran this, her name is Jenny. So, I mean, it has to be, right? Like, the people at work used to call me Forrest Gump. So I was like, of course, it's Jenny, the dog that has run with me for this long. And it was just like a great little companion. And so uh, I put her in the car and found her little... um, 
address on her collar, drove her back to her house, knocked on the door. And the owner was so sweet. I was like, so your dog just ran with me for like 15 miles. Can you please feed her and give her some water? And she's like, they're like, you know, she does that sometimes. Like, <laughs> you just like lend your dog out to strangers to go run with? Like, I just wore your dog out for you. I feel like you should pay me or something. Yeah. But okay, whatever. <laughs> just please feed her. And so that was like one of the best days because who wants to run like 30 miles out on these dirt country roads by themselves? Jenny no, but, knew yeah, that Jenny. I did not want to run that by myself. So she was like the star appearance of my training that day. So that was one of the the best days. Yes, I love that. Oh, one of the worst days. Oh, yes, I've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone's ever been in nursing school, nursing school is not the picture of stress-free life, throwing back uh, margaritas and being in a sorority, sorority that's super fun, you know? Wait, it's not like Scrubs? It's not like Scrubs. Oh, it's man. not like Grey's Anatomy either. Sorry. Spoiler alert. It is not. Um, it is very stressful. Lots of jumping through hoops and praying that somehow uh, you pass. And uh, so in between my classes and clinicals, I would just go run anytime I could. Uh, that was like my escape at that point. That's all I needed to do. So, oh man, I have two worse stories, but one just came to my mind, but I will stick with this one because it's pretty good. Um, I run on the Santa Fe Trail and it goes back. I don't know if this is actually allowed uh, to run back here. I've never been shooed away, but there's definitely signs that say you shouldn't be back there. Um, but we would always run with my cross country team to go back there because it was like great solitude and lots of coverage, lots of trees. So it's like eight o'clock at night. I start my run. It's starting to get dark. And I go back to that little area because I just needed some a break from school and stress and everything and we had gotten rain like a couple weeks prior and one of the creeks that is not usually a creek it's just a little passageway had turned into a creek overnight mm -hmm. so without knowing it and it's dark now I don't have my headlamp I just need to get out and about run right into the creek trip and fall it's not really a creek. It's kind of more like mud. Uh, mm -hmm. So now I'm covered in mud. I'm freezing cold because uh, the sun's down now. And I'm like, well, I can't let this ruin my run. So I keep running. Well, now there's a river that I didn't see. Fall into this river. And I'm like, something is telling me that I should not be running. Keep running. I stepped in horse poop. Kept <laughs> running. Like, all the signs. Like, the universe is clearly saying, like, please go home now. Like, go mm -hmm. home, sit on your hands. You're not allowed to do anything else for the day. Uh, but like I do, I just push through it and uh, ignore everything, la, 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 and came back and was like, okay, I know where this river is and I know where this crypt, this spring little creek is. I will not fall into it. Well, of course, I fell into the second one um, promptly. And by the time I got back to my my car, I was just soaking wet, crying, so upset about why, why universe? Why did you have to put all this water where it wasn't supposed to be? And I just remember being super cold and not enjoying running that much that day. But 
Push through. No, Jenny. No, Jenny. Less Jenny. And Josh, I think we. I think something interesting just happened. We just had our first actual bad day. Everyone else that we've asked, we usually get some horror story, and then they look at the ceiling and go, "Man, that was awesome." Like, oh. We've had horrible oh, races no. ending in snow. No, no. We've had other stuff. That and was not awesome. That was just <laughs> that was, genuinely not that awesome. That was not awesome. Well, I, I might add that some of that might have to do with that they were on bikes. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Everyone else was on a bike. I didn't <laughs> think about that. Wow. Wow. Way to throw me into that. that All right. Well, can I, I just, maybe can not I just throw my other... I don't know. Because <laughs> you might want to use the other one. All right. Well, what's the other one? We get a bonus. Okay, bonus, bonus, bad story. bonus, bad story. Um, you can use whichever one you want. Um, when I was in, this was in college, but I was at CU Denver. I worked like crazy hours. I'd work um, 16 hour shifts, two days in a row, um, Saturday and Sundays at a nursing home. And then I'd work 40 hours a week at my other job. So always working and going to school. And so in between my jobs, I would try to go on a run. And so... I had this old, old Oldsmobile Alero, and I always, like, you don't have the beeper key, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to lock the key or the door from the inside. Uh, so I'd always do that, and I locked my keys in the car. But I wanted to go on a run, so I was at a park, and I was like, I'm going to go running. I start running, and real, and I hadn't realized that I locked my keys in the car. That was a, that was a spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, I was running and realized that I had two different shoes on. I had two different, like a flat, like a road shoe and my trail shoe on and was running and was upset because I had to get to work. And now I had locked my keys in the car and was very just distraught mm-hmm. and didn't have my phone because I locked my phone in the car too. and didn't have anything. And I was just distraught. And I was this little 18 year old who was like running like burning the candle at both ends. So I find this stranger and I'm like, can I please make a phone call? So at this point I have to paint the picture a little better. I'm in a sports bra and shorts and like two different shoes on. I think that's the dead giveaway that this girl does not have her life together because there is, how did you walk out of the house with two different shoes on? I've been doing this all day apparently. And so he like gave me her, his phone and I called my Again, my grandmother. And my grandmother came and rescued me. And she just looked at me like I was just a hot mess as I'm sitting there with my two different shoes on, crying because I've been working so many hours. So she definitely rescued me from that day. And also not a great I would never not say, a great day. I would not say, look at the ceiling, awesome. No, that was not awesome at all. Also not on a bike. I was also not on a yeah, bike. Also not on a bike. Have you ever ridden your bike with two different shoes? That's what I like to know. You know, I don't think I have. Mm. Maybe I'll have to experiment. You should try it. Um, it's pretty exciting. Well, as... Every step is a mystery. Oh, yeah, right I'm sure. <laughs> At least every other step. It's true. <laughs> every other step. <laughs> well, Kelly, we could just keep this up I all know. night. This has been an absolute blast. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. And again, for your openness. One last question. If you have anything that comes to mind, and don't worry, we'll edit it if you don't. Do you know of any resources offhand that you might send any, you know, any women, any younger athletes to who might be stepping into the position you were in college? Mm. I think anybody who's in college, their counseling, they have a counseling team.
team that it mm-hmm. is familiar with eating disorders, especially among athletes. And I know that um, one of my friends is trying to really push that to um, colleges, and they kind of actually have introduced it to part of their introduction introduction to the team is like, if this comes up, this is who you reach out to. So I'd say step one, talk to your coach. Step two, there's always a counselor on the college campus. Um, step three, if things are really bad, I know speaking from a nurse in the ER, you can always come to the ER. We have resources. We have things um, that can be helpful too. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. Of course. Uh, really, really appreciate you. Of course. Yeah. Thanks, guys, so much. If you want to know more about Stand Up Pedal Action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.